welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful host of this podcast. Graduated from college about a month and a half ago now, probably even longer than that now. Actually, it's July. It's probably it's actually probably been two months, probably getting close to three, honestly. I've just lost track of the days. But please go check out my website, millersthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, it's kind of a continuation of, we, of what I talked about on the last pod. And we had Mike Trout's Reckoning where I basically, you know, outlined about... I basically just talked about how he's a little overrated, a little overhyped. I'm not saying he's not the best player in baseball, but when you tell me he's the best player right now, or when you tell me he deserves to be in the same conversation as a LeBron or Tom Brady, that's where I draw the line. So, you know what? We got Locked On Braves host Dylan Short on here today to discuss, uh, to basically discuss what I said on the last pod and whether he agrees or disagrees. And let me tell you this, if he's coming on to talk about it, he's probably not going to agree with me. So we'll talk to Dylan Short about that today but first if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44 your company should be sponsoring this podcast locked on diamondbacks to listen to by 98 men and 80 percent between the ages of 18 and 44 so if you want men in that age range this is your spot plus our rates are the most reasonable round email me at locked on diamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more now here's that conversation between me and dylan short All right, we got Dylan Short here of the Locked On Braves podcast, and he's here to discuss Mike Trout today because I got a question for Dylan Short. Do you think Mike Trout is in the same discussion or on the same level as a Tom Brady or LeBron James? Absolutely. In fact, I think he is at a higher level than either one of those. And why is that? What, what's your case for Mike Trout being in the same conversation as a guy like Tom Brady, who's considered by most the GOAT in his sport, and as uh, someone like LeBron, who's considered at least the greatest, the second greatest player in his sport, respectively? So I think when you're, when you're looking at Brady versus Trout, it's a little bit different. So when you're looking football to baseball, you got to ask yourself, what is Brady's career if he's not with Belichick? What if he's not with the Patriots? What does he do if he's, you know, if he goes to, if he's drafted in the second round, he goes to a team with an awful line, is he still Tom Brady? Football is so much more complicated when you're trying to figure out who actually is more talented. So I, for, for my, for me, if you're talking about quarterbacks greatest of all time, I have Brady in my top five, but I've got Joe Montana above him and – I go back and forth with Dan Marino. Like, it's hard for me to, to gauge on that, but I would say I would have LeBron above Brady. Not because Brady hasn't won a bunch, because as far as winning and accolades, Brady's the best athlete ever. Uh, but if you're just talking about sheer talent, LeBron is more talented in his sport than Brady is in his. Uh, the difference is in basketball, the number two, number three, number four, number five players are a lot closer to LeBron than Mookie or Yelich or Bellinger are to Trout. Like, when you're looking at, at some of the numbers that, that Trout has, and I, I know you're on the other side of this, but, like, Mike Trout's just one of those guys. That, I'm a Braves fan, but I will never not be – I will never not love watching Mike Trout more than anybody else. There's just – I've never seen a baseball player that can do all of the things Mike Trout does, whether it's be at the top of the league as far as sprint speed goes, whether it's 
having an outstanding batter's eye, whether it's being the absolute perfect build for whatever you want for baseball, 6'2", 225, super fast, super strong, 40 homer seasons, 30 steal seasons, 40 steal seasons. He literally does all of it. And when you when you start digging into, like, when you start talking about goats, greatest evers, I think I tend more towards the talent perspective of it as opposed to what did they do with it. Like, for, for me, the, the most talented baseball player ever before Trout wasn't Derek Jeter. It wasn't you – know, you can make a case for Willie Mays. I think Willie Mays would certainly be there. But it would be between Mays and it would be between King Griffey Jr. Those are the two guys that, for me, you look at and you start taking a look at them and you start thinking or you start kind of imagining how far above everybody else in the sport they were at the time. And that's, that's kind of where I judge goats. That's where I think Trout holds an advantage over Brady and over LeBron. Uh, LeBron just has the bad luck that he's playing at the same time as Kevin Durant, who is almost as sensational as LeBron has been, or, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, who knows how good he's going to end up being, or Kawhi Leonard, who has beaten LeBron head to head numerous times when they've played each other. There's a lot of really good basketball players and there's a lot of good baseball players. It's just when you factor in the year Mookie Betts had when he won the MVP, that was an amazing season. Mike Trout has had seven consecutive of those. Yeah, and I think that Mike Trout might be the most consistent player in baseball, but for all that talent he has for the production he puts up, why does he not have the team success as someone like a LeBron or Tom Brady? I know in baseball it's harder. One guy can't do it all, but I did see David Ortiz for a postseason series, you know, have a quarter of his team's hits, have a quarter of his team's runs, have a quarter of his team's RBIs, and do pretty much all for the Red Sox in the 2013 World Series. When I saw Mike Trout go to the playoffs, he was one for 12 in his uh, postseason at-bats. And for a guy who's considered the greatest ever, why could he only get one hit in his first postseason appearance? I think that boils down to a lot of different things. When you're talking – uh, when you're talking about baseball and you're talking about a young player as Mike Trout was, it was really his rookie year when he made it into the postseason. It was 2012, I believe, which was his first full season. He got a little bit of taste of, of Major League Ball the season before. It was only like 20 games and got sent back down. Um, when, when you're talking about playoffs and, and the different atmosphere and the approaches, when you're talking about the difference between baseball and football, if you are the best player on your team, opposing teams game plan around you like that, that's not that's not shocking they do it to julio jones in football they do it to lebron in basketball the difference is it's a lot easier to to make up for it they're not able to erase you by like so easily in baseball it's pretty easy you just don't pitch to trout you just don't give him anything decent to hit and that, that's not an uncommon denominator in a lot of the all-time greats i'm going to give you three guys here i'm going to give you their their playoff numbers their first time through the playoffs uh willie mays he went this was his triple slash, 182, 250 OBP with a 182 slugging, no homers, one RBI with a 432 OPS. Uh, Ted Williams, you guy, you and I could both agree, pretty daggum good. Literally wrote the book on hitting. Went 200 with a 333 OBP and a two, uh, 200 slugging, no homers, one RBI, five total bases. Barry Bonds, who, in my opinion, if Barry Bonds had not ended up going the route he did, like if you want to talk about Barry Bonds had a case for being one of the all-time greats before he ever touched a steroid. Mm -hmm. Barry Bonds was a three-time MVP before he ever juiced. Uh, but his first time through the playoffs, 167 with 375 OBP and a 167 slugging, one RBI, no homers, two steals. 
when you see players go through the playoffs the first time, it's not all that uncommon for them to struggle. It's, it's, it's a very different environment. You're, the, the opposing teams have been able to see you for 160 games and see what you can do. They're able to, they know which areas you're good at hitting, which areas you're not. They know how everybody in front and behind you in the lineup is doing. So it's, 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 not, all, it's not all that difficult to take somebody out in playoffs. I get what you're saying. Uh, one of uh, a, a person that's going to have contend for greatest ever should be should always be great. It shouldn't be great regular season, not great in the postseason. Uh, that's where a lot of people fall in on the Clayton Kershaw debate. Uh, a lot of people will, will say that Kershaw's numbers aren't as impressive because he's never been able to duplicate it in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that line of thought, but. It's just such a different game in baseball when you're talking about that. There's so much that you're not able to control. I mean, just from the team around you, it depends on which team you ended up going to. Free agency is a lot different in baseball than it is in the other sports. I mean, in basketball, if we can be completely honest, players collude all the time. I mean, we it's like a running joke. Nobody ever charges them a collusion. But, I mean, when LeBron put together the big three, I mean, that was collusion. I mean, when when – Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett went to join the Celtics. That was collusion, too. They talk about where they're going to go play, and they're able to go do it. And more power to them. The NBA players have more power over themselves and over their contracts than anybody else in any major sport. In football, everybody's allocated the same amount of money. So you can talk about, you know, bad teams don't get great free agents, but you can pay somebody more than this team will because everybody has the same amount of money to spend. In baseball, it gets concentrated in, into a lot of different teams. It ends up being how much a particular owner depend or feels about spending. I mean, it's I mean, Mike Trout's been on the Angels. I'll give him credit for being very loyal. I like that he didn't ditch the Angels to go to the Yankees. I know that seems anti-baseball of me, but I'm really just tired of the Yankees and the Red Sox <laughs> being treated like they're you know the only two teams in baseball. Really, honestly, I mean, the Yankees haven't won a World Series in forever. It's been a while since Boston's been you know since Boston's won one. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm glad he didn't go that route. I'm tired of seeing people go to the Yankees and, and end up changing their spots. I like the, I'm a Braves fan. So I'm used to guys like Chipper who played here his whole career. Uh, I, I like guys that stick with their team. And I like a lot of what the angels have done, but Art Marino has, if I can put this very nicely. So our colleague Taylor doesn't yell at me too badly. Um, Art Marino has been, absolutely atrocious when it comes to acquiring any sort of pitching starters relievers closers any of it he has he has never gotten even a half decent pitching staff around him uh it's taken a long time for them to get any decent players now that you've got joe adele coming up that's one really good player upton if he's healthy upton is a very streaky guy but when he's on he's really on um tommy tommy Stella looked really good last year but for the most part these teams have been buoyed based on Trout. We will have more of that continued conversation between Dylan and I. But first. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to that conversation. When you're talking about baseball, one of the common things to do when you're talking about uh, how how do they stack up against the all-timers, you look through their first 1,000 games. And that's usually your indicator of 
what kind of track are they on? So I do, this is going to go on a little bit, I know, but I've got <laughs> these numbers here that I would like to, uh, to share. Let's hear. So Mike Trout through his, all of these are for through his first 1000 games, just so I don't have to keep repeating that mm-hmm. uh, first player in major league history to have a 30 home run, 45 stolen base and score 125 runs in a season. Uh, the longest stretch through his first thousand games without being on base was two games. Carried a 989 OPS. It's on base plus slugging. So essentially that's grading every hit or different value depending on what type of hit it is. Obviously a double counts more than a single, triple more than a double, so on and so forth. But that 989 OPS, that is higher than Willie Mays, Alex Rodriguez, Mel Ott, who was one of the most underrated baseball players of all time, Rogers Hornsby, Hank Aaron, King Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds. You want to move to his OBP, which is kind of the big stat now. 414. That's higher than Hornsby. That's higher than Joe DiMaggio. That's higher than, than Willie Mays and Ricky Henderson. Slugging percentage, 574, higher than Mays, Griffey, Aaron, and Melot again. 224 homers. This is where he's really separating himself. That's higher than Ted Williams. That's higher than Mickey Mantle. That's higher than Lou Gehrig. And that's higher than Hank Aaron. That's that's a lot of all-timers on the list that Trout just passed through his first thousand games. The question for Trout is, can he carry it through the same amount of years as these guys? When you're talking about Hank Aaron, the reason Hank got to as many home runs as he did is because he played forever. I mean, that's one of the real things lost in Hank Aaron's storied career is how long he played and how long he was that good. That's going to be the thing with Trout. If his body doesn't let him down and Trout stays on the same pace that he's been on, uh, same. let's say if he stays on the same pace through 36 or 37, he's going to put up numbers that are just otherworldly, and he will go down as the greatest baseball player of all time. So one quick yes or no question. Do you think if he retired today, he's already a top 25 player of all time? I do. I think he's a Hall of Famer if he retires today. Okay, because I was looking, ESPN does this annual ranking of the 100 greatest MLB players of all time, and I was looking at their top 25. And I was looking at what kind of players, what, what other all-time greats had similar postseason careers like a trout, because you were giving me players like Willie Mays their first time in the playoffs. And looking at the top 25 players, there are only two other guys on that list who have one postseason appearance through their first nine years of their career. That's Joe Morgan and Roger Hornsby. Both of those players went to the World Series in their first postseason appearance. Both had, of course, multiple hits since they went so deep. So Mike Trout, of, of if you consider him a top 25 player, he's the only one on that list through nine years of his career with one postseason hit or less. I just think that's a damning stat to have on his resume. And then when you make the point, uh, the Angels have been a terrible organization for most of Mike Trout's tenure. And the pitching has been atrocious, but... When Mike Trout first broke into the league from 2012 to 2014, the Angels were one of the best offenses in baseball, and the pitching wasn't great, but it was middle of the pack. The Angels in 2014 were first in runs scored in the American League, sixth in batting average, fourth in home runs, and they had the seventh best ERA. They were fourth in opponent batting average. 2013, sixth in runs scored, third in uh, batting average. In 2012, they were third in runs scored, first in average, and then they were eighth in ERA and third in opponent batting average. So from 2012 to 2014, which probably peak Angels years, which is not saying much, uh, the, the Angels had one of the best offenses 
in the MLB, and they had a middle-of-the-pack pitching. So it's not like Mike Trout every year has been on just the worst team in baseball. He's been on some pretty competitive teams, and they just haven't really done much. They haven't lived up to expectations. And then when he has gone to that postseason that one time, through nine years, he's the least accomplished player of any, of any MLB star that we consider an all-time great. I just think for a guy who gets hyped up as much as he does, who, who's already considered by some already the greatest baseball player ever, I, think that's too, I, I just think that's too damning of a stat to have to say you've only been to the postseason once in nine years and only have one postseason hit. And, yeah, like you said, it's cool that he didn't, you know, go anywhere. He didn't leave. He, he wanted to be loyal and stay. But – you can't tell me it's the Angels' fault every year why he's not making the playoffs, and then he's the one choosing to stay in that situation. At some point, I also have to put some blame on Mike Trout's shoulders. I mean, I I will I will agree that to uh, to for for mainstream as far as people that don't dig into all the numbers, like I'm not using WAR and things like that because you've already told me previously you're not really a big fan of those. So I didn't re- I didn't want to make a case using numbers you don't like to use. Um, if you're not into advanced metrics or anything like that, then that narrative most definitely plays a role. I mean, if we're being completely honest, the only reason that people thought Derek Jeter would be unanimous is because of, you know, the amount of World Series and the fact that he played for the Yankees. You put Derek Jeter on the Orioles or you put Derek Jeter on the Cubs, like they're, they're, he's not even close to being a unanimous player. I mean, it's, it, it does matter who you play for. And in a certain sense for the mainstream and for the, I want to say, I don't want to say casual, but for the mainstream fan, it does matter about your postseason resume. I mean, talk about just talking about the Braves, you look at Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, everybody pictures John Smoltz as being like the guy of the three because of his postseason success. Now they're wrong. Actually, Maddox was better in the postseason than all three than the other two. But at least for Braves, you remember Glavin for game six. You remember Smoltz for how competitive he was in all the playoffs. And that's kind of what gets remembered. But when you're talking about this and you're talking about the Angels in 2014, which uh, 98 win season I think for them. You also got to take into account the division they're in. I mean, the Athletics weren't bad that year, but this was this was before the this was right in the peak of Astros being horrendously bad. The Rangers have been bad for most of their most of the time I've been alive as well. The Mariners every once in a while they'll have a couple good years, but for the most part they're no real threat. It does matter who you're beating up against. That's why that's why you'll you'll get years where uh, was it in 2017 where the Indians were far and away better than everybody in the regular season. Uh, got to the postseason and couldn't do anything against Houston. Now now we can speculate why that might have been. But at the time, it was just more of you start. You weren't playing teams like the Tigers and the Royals and you know the Twins at the time. You had to actually start playing some good teams in the playoffs. I agree. The longer Trout's career goes on, the more important postseason uh, postseason exactly. accolades will be. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, it won't because I don't really think postseason stats. I, I think I think postseason stats are a different animal. I think because baseball is such a long sport in 162 games, there's not really much questions about how do you perform. It's how do you perform under this, this specific pressure? So I think that in baseball, it's one of those where it is possible to have, like Kurt Schilling, for example, uh, Kurt Schilling was an outstanding pitcher. And as much as most people, most decent people don't really like him or his views on just about anything. If you look at his numbers, his, his numbers are astronomical. His postseason numbers are absolutely insane. And it's, it's one of those things where 
certain guys just just do a little bit better when those lights are on. Uh, I think if Trout can get to the playoffs consistently, I think the Angels are en route to being a consistent playoff team. I think it's probably still another two or three years away. I think once Adel is in the, into the big leagues to stay and you've got Adel and Trout together in the lineup, that's going to help him immeasurably. But it's all going to come down to that pitching staff, which I think that's always going to be what it comes down to for the Angels. They've got to be a place where, you know, Shohei, having Shohei with Mike is huge because Shohei is, is a guy that a lot of other people are going to want to play with. He's that type of guy. He's that type of gravitational player. And plus, he's the best two-way player since Babe Ruth. You don't get to see that very often. Uh, but it is something that you have to get. You don't ever – they don't have to be great. Like, they don't have to all of a sudden be the New York Mets and have three aces on their staff. They just – they have to get where they actually have major league pitchers and they're not trotting out Dylan Bundy and Jaime Berea and, and the ghost of Matt Harvey. If they can do that and Mike Trout gets into the playoffs, his numbers will come around. I mean, it's, it, it's one of those, like, I don't, I don't bear you any ill will your first time through. People make a big deal and say, ah, I wasn't that nervous. Anybody that tells you they're not nervous is lying. I mean, especially, especially in playoffs in any sport. For any sport ever, playoffs is a different animal and you're right we don't know how trout will handle that there um as far as uh, the numbers he's put up though it's impossible to look at the numbers he's put up and look at the company he keeps and say that he is not in that discussion already i mean the things he's done through this point in his career are things that nobody else has done and there have been a lot of really really talented players through the years yeah and that's true but because of the question mark with his postseason success, we don't really know what kind of player he is because he's only had that one appearance. It just leaves me wondering, you know, when those lights are on, like you said, how, how will he perform? We, we've only seen it one time because if Mike Trout is closer to being playing Kershaw in the playoffs than actually being Mike Trout in the playoffs, then I think we will start moving backwards on how we view Mike Trout because he, he could put up all this great – success in the playoff uh, in the regular season but if he just starts wiltering if, he, if the angels start making postseason runs you know year after year and mike trout just seems to keep shrinking every time we get to the postseason i think that will matter on how we we on how we look and how we view mike trout thank you to everyone who tuned into this edition of the locked on diamondbacks podcast we're gonna keep dropping this this was only part one so be on the lookout for part two be on the lookout for more possible guests because i know this is a hot topic people don't like me talking bad about mike trout if you say anything against mike trout it's sacrilegious so be on the lookout for more guests hope everyone is staying healthy and staying safe out there peace